You hear all the bull about diet and exercise. Carbs are evil. Do more cardio. Never eat bread or cookies again. Just do a juice cleanse. We get it. We fell for all of the BS too. It's time to go right to the source with the truth about how to live a healthy, sustainable lifestyle. I am Liz. And I'm Becca. We are your nutrition educators, and this is The Food Code. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Food Code. Today, we are joined by one of my most respected, I feel like, um, fitness trainers and just a very smart individual in the industry, Sal DeStefano. Um, if you do not follow Mind Pump Media, I would highly recommend that you do. We've raved about them on our podcast before, but they're definitely one of the top health, fitness, um, and wellness podcasts. And I love that you know they bring the truth um, through education and super funny, in super funny ways, um, and so very entertaining for your drives, um, but you know, no fluff and no BS on that podcast, so I would highly recommend that you listen to them, and we'll link it out in our show notes, so welcome, Sal. Thank you so much for being here today and taking time to chat with us. Thank you. I appreciate the kind words, uh, uh, and I'm happy to be on your show. Awesome. So I, I thought that we would spend today just kind of talking about... Um, you know, your experience in the industry, um, we'd love to, to have you kind of introduce yourself um, to our listeners. I know that I've heard your personal story and how you got into fitness. Um, and then, you know, your transformation through owning um, a gym after working in a gym and now, you know, with MindCamp Media. So if you can just, you know, introduce yourself and give our listeners a little bit of a, a backstory about you. Sure. Um, so I started personally working out at a very young age. I was 14, very insecure uh, about my body. I think that motivates a lot of people initially to start working out. I was a skinny kid, uh, fell in love with it instantly. And um, I tend to be a bit obsessive when I like something. So I studied it, um, it just incessantly, uh, read everything I could, um, you know, watched videos on it. Uh, I actually went to the library, would get chemistry books to learn about supplements and nutrition. Um, at the age of 18, I got my first job as a personal trainer. And it was the first time in my life I'd ever done something and just felt like this is what I'm supposed to do. Uh, it was a very powerful feeling. Um, trained people for four months, moved up into management um, and managed health clubs. And then at the age of 22, opened up my first wellness and fitness uh, facility and did that for a long time before starting uh, Mind Pump. And uh, really, you know, I love fitness. I love health. Um, I love it almost as much as I love people. So people is really my, my main passion. Love being around people, love talking to people. Um, and I was able to combine the both of those together, fitness, health, and people, and um, just enjoy doing it. And through that process, really, and this, this is true for all trainers, I think. I think if you're a trainer for a long period of time and you're very passionate about helping people, one of the things you start to really figure out is how to communicate your ideas, uh, how to communicate nutrition and health and fitness uh, effectively. Um, it took me about five years to really realize that what I was doing was not effective. I think like a lot of new trainers, I thought, you know, if the client just does what I say and just follow my workouts, then all will be solved. You know, just, just do my workout and here's your meal plan. And the problem with that uh, was it did work in the short term, but it never worked in the long term. Nobody achieved permanent uh, success. Nobody achieved a lifelong 
healthy relationship with food and exercise. Um, I just basically was promoting what I think the fitness industry at large tends to promote, which is this, you know, on the wagon, off the wagon type of uh, relationship to fitness and nutrition. And so about five years in or so, I had an honest conversation with myself and I said, you know, I'm not really helping anybody. Why am I unable to get people to make, you know, permanent changes? Why am I unable to get somebody to, to really develop a lifelong relationship that's healthy with fitness and nutrition? And um, it changed my approach uh, completely. When you listen to Mind Pump, uh, the podcast, and we've been on air now for about five years, and, um, you know, we've, we've gotten to a point now where we're uh, one of the most listened to fitness podcasts um, in the world, but we had zero media experience. I had no media experience, neither did my co-host. But what we had is 20 years of experience talking to everyday people in ways that really works. You know, you mentioned when you introduced me as uh, you, you mentioned a couple things about our show as being uh, entertaining or fun or, or maybe even funny to listen to. That's part of the formula. You start, the person really needs to enjoy coming to see you all the time, not just when they're motivated, but especially when they're not motivated. Um, you, you need to be able to communicate things in ways where people, where it starts to click. You have to meet people where there are and stop talking to people as if they're fitness fanatics like we are. And so that's kind of what you hear, um, on the podcast. Um, and, and that has led to tremendous client success. Um, you know, when I had my wellness studio and I started to really figure these things out, um, you know, I trained people, everyday people, regular people, like I did in my early days. But they all, over time, developed permanence with their success and results to, to this day. You know, I'm still in contact with a lot of people through social media or through phone calls. And um, these were people who hired me who really never worked out consistently, who had, you know, issues with nutrition like most people do. Um, and to this day, I haven't trained any of them for five years. And they're all very consistent. Um, I've had... I think five clients actually become personal trainers themselves through that experience. And so that's what we try to communicate on the show. Um, and, you know, podcasting is a great medium for this because when you're trying to communicate something like fitness and health in real ways, not, you know, sound bites, uh, not with, uh, you know, short advertising, um, not just to motivate someone, but in real impactful ways, really it's long form communication that it doesn't happen in an Instagram post or even a single blog. Um, so podcasting is a great medium for that. Um, and so I appreciate, I appreciate what you guys do with it as well. I think it's the most impactful way uh, that we have for, for, you know, really getting people to adopt a, a, a healthy and fit lifestyle for reals uh, and forever. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I remember our conversation, I didn't mention this in the beginning, but I actually had the honor of having dinner with Sal in Arizona last uh, December. And this was right, right when, when Becca and I were, you know, going to start the podcast. My husband kept telling us, you need a podcast. You have to have a podcast, you know, because your voice is only going so far and you can only communicate so much in a blog mm -hmm. or an email. You know, I love what it's done for our business. But I love seeing, and much like I'm sure Mind Pump thought this is really cool in the, in the beginning, um, how many people are listening in all over, you know, all over the world. And it allows us to share 
the realness and, you know, for Beck and I, we try to be very raw as well um, because, you know, we both come from backgrounds of bad diets and under eating. And, you know, now what we do is specialize in bringing women out of severe um, calorie deficits and restoring health. And I know you went through a period of time in your life with your training and as you were trying to gain muscle where your health kind of backfired too. And so and a large part of our mission is just getting the truth out, you know, what is mm -hmm. not popular. And uh, I know it aligns a lot with your message and, um, you know, of course, the other hosts there. So I'd love for you to kind of touch on, you know, within your own journey, experiencing these things yourself, you know, with your health as you went through that phase of life and how much you, you know, even learned as a trainer and a coach that's, that's helped you from the things that, you know, your story that I've listened to communicate now to impact thousands of people all over the world. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's interesting, you know, uh, as trainers, um, and I'm sure you guys have experienced this, you, you tend to be a better trainer to your clients uh, than you are to yourself. Um, you actually learn from your clients um, how to really help yourself. And the reason why I'm saying that is, you know, challenges with nutrition um, and activity Believe it or not, you see a large percentage of that in the fitness space. Um, now, it might not look that way because we all are, seem obsessed about fitness and nutrition, um, but it's, it's, it's the same spectrum, which is dysfunction. And we're over here with our dysfunction. And it tends to look, it tends to be obsessive. And I was definitely um, guilty of this myself. I, I said earlier, what motivated me to start working out was these insecurities uh, with my body. I think that motivates a lot of people to start working out, especially people in the fitness space. I was a skinny kid growing up. Um, my father was very athletic and I had all these cousins that were my age that were very athletic. And I just felt like I was uh, inadequate or not as strong. I was much more of, I like to read quite a bit. Um, and so I just didn't feel like I fit in. And so those insecurities drove me to work out. Um, now looking back, this is obvious at the time, I didn't realize this, but Looking back, it really came from self-hate, right? I hate the way I look so much that I'm going to drive to become someone else. And that can actually be quite a powerful motivator. The problem with that is the decisions that that led to were not ones that were best for me, right? So uh, exercise uh, oftentimes became a punishment. Um, I would apply too much intensity. Um, it's almost like a form of self-flagellation. Uh, oh, I hate my body. I hate my biceps. I hate my chest. I hate my back. Hammer it, you know, beat it up, get real sore, push myself to the extreme. Um, again, this is hindsight. So it's very clear now, but at the time it felt like I was, you know, doing everything for the right reasons. Um, force feeding myself. You know, I was a, a again, I was a skinny kid. So uh, my eating dysfunction took the form of you know, uh, I, you know, I would make shakes that were like whole milk, chicken breasts and tuna fish and eggs, you know, just so I could force, I'm not, I'm not even making that up. That's a true story. So I could force more calories down, you know, my, 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 my gullet. Um, I would set my alarm to go off at 3 AM so I could, you know, drink my weight gainer shake. Uh, I took supplements that were questionable at best. Um, and, and I went down this path for a long time. Now, uh, to, my, to my clients, you know, it took me a few years, but I started to become very aware of how they didn't like their bodies, of their, their dysfunction with nutrition and exercise. And I started to become a great trainer with them, but 
totally unaware that I was um, not listening to what I was preaching for myself. Um, and I was ignoring the signals that my body was telling me for a long time. One of the biggest uh, issues and challenges with being motivated by self-hate is that you, um, you completely ignore the signals that your body tells you. Okay, so I'll give you an example. Let's say you're overweight. You, you hate your body fat. You look in the mirror. You can't stand the way you look. And so you start going to the gym and you start restricting yourself. And then you, you slip up and you have a, you know, some pizza. Next day you go to the gym and maybe you're tired, you don't feel good, maybe you're stressed out, didn't get good sleep that night, but you're gonna beat the crap out of yourself because you had that pizza. You know, oh no, I need to burn these calories off. So you start to train yourself inappropriately. Um, and again, I did this for a long time, ignoring the signals, ignoring the digestive issues that were creeping up, uh, ignoring the HPA axis dysfunction, that I was causing and ignoring that I was relying on stimulants to keep me going throughout the day. And it all came to a crashing um, realization when my body rebelled. Um, I developed severe um, digestive issues, um, like really bad. I lost about almost 15 pounds, which is a blow to the ego. I'm somebody who, who identified so strongly with at this point being the buff trainer guy, you know, I'm no longer the skinny kid anymore. Well, now I'm losing weight and I can't stop it. Um, worst, worst part is I thought I was everything right. You know, I exercise all the time. I eat very healthy. My macros are good. My calories are good. What is going on? Going to, you know, Western medicine doctors, which they definitely have a tremendous amount of value. But when it comes to chronic health issues, uh, the Western medicine model isn't the best. So, you know, they did the whole, you know, they tested me and looks like we can't figure out what's going on. Um, everything else looks fine. You know, uh, you, you might have uh, irritable, bowel, irritable bowel syndrome, which is just a catch-all for, we don't know what the hell's going on. Mm -hmm. um, I thought maybe at one point I had Crohn's or something like that, like, you know, some autoimmune issue, couldn't figure it out. And finally, in desperation, I turned to um, a, a few people that actually worked with me. So, at this time, I owned a wellness facility. Um, and the, my wellness facility, the goal of the wellness facility was to be able to provide multiple routes of care and health for clients. Now, I was, uh, I was a trainer. I knew exercise. I knew resistance training. I knew correctional exercise. Uh, I knew diet as far as calories and macros were concerned. Um, I knew how to motivate people. That was my role. Uh, but I also had in my facility a uh, massage therapist, body worker who also did uh, meditation. I had an acupuncturist in my facility. Um, I had a, somebody who did gut testing and hormone testing and who was also a physical therapist. So at the very least, I was aware enough that these people could provide value for other people, but I was still stuck in the, you know, I was stuck at the, at the place where that didn't apply to me. So I could see their value. I knew they could provide value to our clients, but I got me, you know, I know, I know what's going on. So now here I am rebelling, losing muscle, getting weak, don't feel good. Can't figure it out. I have no answers. Finally in desperation, I, I sat down with, with them and they were friends of mine. And I said, okay, um, uh, tell me what to do. I don't know what's going on. Um, and luckily for me, they were the right people to talk to. Uh, they started out by saying, okay, um, objectively speaking, we need to do a few things we're going to do some gut testing. 
uh, to see where your, your gut health is. Uh, we're gonna do some food testing to see if we have any food intolerances that you may be unaware of. Some hormone testing to see if your HPA axis, that's the hypothalamus, pituitary and adrenals are off. Um, and we're gonna focus on meditation. This was like, you know, had I not been in this position, you, 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 it would have been impossible to convince me to meditate. It's like, oh, you want me to sit here and do nothing? That's crazy. But I was desperate. Uh, so I did those things. I also threw in the towel, literally, literally said these words. I said, I'm not gonna look in the mirror, weigh myself and care anymore about how much weight I lift in the gym. I need to just get healthy. My goal right now is total health. Um, and I adopted an approach that I had used with clients who had body image issues. You know, when I would train clients who obsessively weighed themselves or just talk negatively about themselves, I would tell them to take their scale and put it in the closet. Don't weigh yourself. Uh, don't, uh, don't observe yourself in the mirror, you know, where you sit there and break yourself down. Let's focus on things other than body image. So I said, you know what? Um, I'm going to try this approach on myself and see what happens. And so I did. I, I identified food intolerances. Um, at the time, I was very, very reactive. So gluten was extremely reactive. Dairy was extremely reactive. Egg whites, um, peanuts, and uh, cashews were very reactive. And lagoons were very reactive. So I had to completely eliminate those from my diet. Um, I went on an antimicrobial protocol to, uh, to help fix uh, or help with some with certain uh, you know bacterial issues in my gut. Uh, my workouts changed. I no longer went in the gym and went beast mode in the gym. Now I went in the gym and focused on movement. I before I worked out, I asked myself, this is a tough one for people to do. This was hard for me. But I I had to ask and I had a lot of hiccups with this by the way. But I would ask myself, okay, what if I was a client of mine, how would I train myself honestly? And oftentimes that looked like mobility, lightweight, full ranges of motion, low intensity, especially in the beginning. Um, and I did this for a little while. Um, uh, after about three months, um, I started to improve a little bit, went on a trip uh, with friends, and um, uh, had a friend that was a huge. Uh, marijuana uh, consumer and he had bought a bunch of cannabis and um, so I had some with him and on vacation I, I indulged a little bit in gluten had no gut issues at the time I thought it was due to the the fact that I was on vacation came back gut issues came back in a hurry uh, through you know make a long story short I identified that cannabinoids uh, really helped with inflammation CBD in particular I implemented that it took me a full year took me a full year of this protocol and process uh, to really heal my body. And uh, the real realization came at the end of that year. I was over at a friend's house and we were swimming. We were out in the pool and um, I got out of the pool and I went to go use the bathroom and I went in the bathroom and she had, you know, the, like the, the medicine cabinet mirror. And then there was like another mirror like over here. And I was able to look, I just caught it there was a, a, a reflection of a reflection of my body at an angle that I'm not used to seeing my body. And so I had this, this if you, I don't know if you've ever done this where you like see a video of yourself and for a split second, you don't recognize it's yourself. So you're very objective. 
which is we're almost never objective with ourselves, especially if you have issues with body image, right? So for a split second, I saw myself and then I realized that was me. But in that split second, I realized that I look better than I have before. This was crazy. I had totally stopped focusing on how I looked. It was all about health. But yet here I am looking better than I ever have before. And it was just this tremendous uh, realization that, uh, that aiming for health would provide the side effect of looking good. Um, and aiming for looking good uh, eventually leads to the side effect of poor health. And that, uh, that really shaped and molded um, the voice that you hear now on the podcast when I communicate uh, fitness. It was, it was that real realization that um, I think just kind of turned me into, I, you know, I guess who I am now on the on the mind pump podcast and it was it was huge and it's uh, made me a much more effective communicator um to to anybody but especially to the average person who i think deals with a lot of the stuff maybe to a lesser degree but finds challenges with these things yeah i, I think that you know that speaks really well also to just like the different seasons of life and phases of life that we go through um you know, I'd love for you to, I know Adam came on the podcast the other day and he was talking about how he asked one of the people in your studio if he looked fat. And, <laughs> yeah. and it's, it's funny because he's in a, you know, he's in a season of life of, he has a little kid and, you know, a baby and yeah. how I think a lot of people get caught up on, they don't look the most fit they've ever been all of their life. And it's mm -hmm. like, ebbing and flowing with the different seasons of life that we go through and being okay with those. Um, and so what kind of, you know, for you, and I think for a lot of people, it gets to a place of, we have no other option. Like there's nowhere else to go. And there's, you know, we've tried all of the things we've done all of the supplements, we've done all of the diets and like our body is still screaming at us. Um, and what mental shift, you know, that for you, it was, it sounded like you just wanted to be healthy. Mm -hmm. um, is there anything that you try to talk to, you know, your old clients about or anything, someone that like you're trying to get that mind shift, mindset shift to happen and understand that like we aren't meant to look shredded 24, 7, 365 for our entire life. Um, and, you know, understanding that it's okay to have these different phases of life. Um, how do you approach that from like a mindset perspective? Yeah, so, uh, so that's, that's a tough one, right? Because what you're dealing with is... Uh, someone's um, body image and self-image that, that tend to be intertwined or confused. They are two separate things, by the way. You can have an objective body image and it not be your, your self-image. In fact, that's a very healthy way to view them. But most of us intertwine the two. Um, appealing to the logic behind that is, isn't very effective because you're not dealing with someone's logic. What you're dealing with are feelings and emotion. Um, and you can't, it's hard to solve uh, you know, issues with emotion and feeling with, with logic. So th here's the standpoint that I, that I'll start with. Um, I, I already said that your body image and, and self-image are two separate things. I think it's important to first start and understand that, you know, you are worthy of being taken care of. You are worthy of self-care. Okay. So let's start there, right? Um, I am somebody who's worthy of being taken care of. Uh, so are you and so is everybody else that's watching this. Okay, am I doing that? 
am I taking care of myself in the, in, in the truest sense? Now, some people would say, well, yeah, working out and restricting my diet, that's taking care of myself. I think that's because our, our view of health has become so narrow that we consider health to be our physical performance, our body fat percentage, uh, maybe strength, um, how we look. But health encompasses way more than that, okay? There's mental health, there's spiritual health. You have the health of the relationships with the people around you, um, the relationships you have with yourself, with food, with exercise. All of those things encompass your total health. I mean, you can be physically perfectly healthy and have terrible mental health and just generally have bad health as a result. You can have a crisis of spiritual health and have everything else in line and that can cause some serious problems. So we need to look at the thing as a full sphere. Okay, this is what gives us balance with our lives. So speaking about my, my, my co-host, for example, who um, he's got a kid right now, right? If he looks at his total sphere of health and he's got all these new responsibilities, he's got a young baby um, and his wife maybe needs help with, with that and you know, he's a business that he's building. Is it okay to sacrifice peak performance and maximum aesthetics for time spent with his child um, absolutely. Let's, let's make it even more simple. Let's look at diet. Let's look at food and now understanding the total sphere of health. What does food provide us? Well, food provides us with physiological benefits. There's nutrients, there's proteins, fats, and carbs, and micronutrients and calories. So it, it can provide us with physiological health. But does food provide us other things? Well, absolutely it does. Um, in fact, uh, it's obvious. If it wasn't, if food didn't provide us for anything else, then everybody would eat perfectly physiologically. But we find that food provides us with comfort. We can connect with other people uh, over food. There's, a, there's cultures around food. Uh, foods make us feel particular ways. Celebrations, there's foods for birthdays. There's different foods for, there's foods that are appropriate for funerals, for goodness sake. So. So uh, looking at food and taking care of myself, and understanding that it's full sphere of health. Let's say um, I'm somebody that wants to lose 20 pounds. I've identified that my body doesn't reflect or actually reflects the fact that I haven't been taking care of myself very well. I look in the mirror objectively, body image, and I say, you know what? I'm a little heavier than I should be. Um, and my mobility is not doing so well. I think I need to do a better job of taking care of my physical body. So you, now you're on this journey of eating right to care for yourself, exercising right to care for yourself. You're doing a pretty good, pretty good job. Um, maybe two months into it, your friend from college that you haven't seen for two years calls you and says, hey, I'm going to be in the area next week. We should hang out. You're like, absolutely. You meet up with your friend and your friend says, oh my gosh, we should totally go to the bar and get those you know, our favorite drinks and, and talk about our families. And you get to the bar and you're like, no, I can't drink because I'm on this strict whatever. Um, you're denying the, the health that maybe comes with connecting with your friend over a few drinks. Now, if you were taking care of yourself in the fullest sense, in that moment, you've got automatic balance. There's automatic balance that happens. You're with your friend. You know you're trying to lose weight. You know you're trying to help your physical body. You haven't seen your friend in a couple of years. You're bonding with them. And this is now feeding a different part of your health. 
This is where balance comes into play. This is also what prevents this attitude is what prevents the restrict binge mentality. The restrict binge mentality is the mentality that says, I need to be, I need to have a dictator to tell me how to eat and to work out. Um, and I'm living under this dictator. Here, here's your evidence of that, by the way. You, you, when you're doing this and you're dieting or whatever, and somebody offers you food that's off your meal plan, a slice of pizza or whatever, what do we always say? Right? I can't. No, 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 I can't have that. I can't have that. Who's saying that? I can't have that? What a strange, if you really think about that, what a strange thing to hear uh, or, or even stranger to say. Of course you can. What do you mean you can't? Well, it comes from the fact that you feel like you are, like you have divided yourself into a parent and child, and the parent side of you is saying, don't eat that piece of pizza because you need to lose weight. And the child side of you is like, I can't, I can't, right? Eventually, what does that turn into? Rebellion. What do children do? If you go too strict on them, they rebel. You know, this is when kids go off to college and go crazy, right? What does rebellion look like? Binging. Now, when I go off my diet, it's not like a couple Oreo cookies. It's two sleeves of Oreo cookies. And you know what this behavior feels like? And we've all done this before. You're not even enjoying the food that's in your mouth. You're eating a cookie and all you can think about is the next one. The desire to have more is more powerful than the actual enjoyment of the food. And this is a dysfunction that comes from hating yourself. This is not balance. Real balance looks like this. I'm eating the Oreo cookie and I'm like, wow, that, that's pleasurable to eat. I'm having a lot of fun. This is great. Or no, thanks. I don't want that Oreo cookie because I actually want to eat this instead. Now you've developed a lifelong successful relationship with uh, taking care of yourself. You should not feel stress and anxiety over nutrition and exercise. You know, what, you, know what, you know what happens when you're stressed and anxious about your diet and your workout? You've taken something that's supposed to be healthy and turned it in something that is, into something that is unhealthy. So this is the process that uh, I think as trainers we should communicate because it's the only path to real success. Otherwise, you're just going to get a bunch of clients that, you know, lose 30 pounds in a few months and then gain it back a year later and never really find a, the, the solution for themselves. Yeah, I think it's so common. Everything you said, I'm just like, you're hitting the nails on the head because we, we, Becca and I have been kind of on that unhealthy side and certainly been on the restrict and binge. And I always tell clients, you know, we don't demonize food. Food should not have morality to it. You should not feel like a bad person for enjoying the chocolate chip cookie with your girlfriends for her birthday or baking pizza at home and having a slice with your kids. You shouldn't feel bad for that. Um, because then it makes us slap a label on our, you know, selves that I'm a bad person. Um, and so kind of bringing them, we try to bring them into this world of moderation and listening to your body and understanding after you've had months of education around either macros or, you know, tracking and learning what is in food, what makes you feel good. And I think taking away this, like, you know, we see a lot of meal plan templates out there or plans that say, this is your approved foods list, or this is your recommended foods list, right? For us, it's, you can eat that as long as you don't have any, you know, 
intolerances or allergies or, or things to it. We just want you to be mindful of in that time, how did you feel and how did you feel after? Was it supporting your you know, training the next day? Was it supporting the relationship that you were in and you enjoyed day and night and you savored that glass of wine or, or whatever it might be for that person? Because you know, we, we primarily work with women and moms and our mission is that they don't have this diet culture in their home that they don't label foods as good or bad or use it as a reward for kids, um, especially because that you know, sets them up. Like I remember as a child, I always was rewarded if I didn't cry at the doctor, you know, I got a cookie or whatever yeah. the case may be. Um, and so we've just made the decision in our home that we weren't gonna use food as a reward, um, more so just teaching them about what is in food and how it makes us feel and kind of connecting to those things and you know being able to go to the birthday party and enjoy the cookies or the ice cream cake with friends but that we don't have it in our everyday life um, and so I know everyone is a little bit different with those things but I love that you brought up kind of that relationship with food um, because I do agree with you like it serves and it serves as a connection with some individuals I think it also serves as a connection through memories right from childhood mm -hmm. or remembering those times and so I know over the years of, and I know that you have children too, but over the years of training clients, um, what would you say, and we can go with three, uh, are kind of like your top, I would say three to five components. Because what I'm hearing as a person who coaches and trains people, a common theme is stress and sleep, um, and also being smart about the way that we approach whether it's creating a calorie deficit or approach our training. Um, and many people undervalue just how important healing your body is and what stress and sleep are, you know, as part of that. So I just wanted to call that out because I heard that, you know, quite a few times throughout that story. Um, but what would you say are the most, you know, key components to making a sustainable change? Okay. Um, the first thing I would say is to uh, first off, understand that when you're, changing your especially your nutrition but also your activity what you're changing are fundamental behaviors uh, that you have right so the way we eat defines us in so many different ways that permanently changing that is a big change we're not talking about a little change this is a very very big fundamental change changing activity levels are also uh, uh, quite a big change like if you never structure exercise or activity into your lifestyle and it's you know you're 25 or 35 or 45 years old um, this is going to be a new thing that you're adding and it's a permanent hopefully a permanent forever thing so respecting the fact that you're making permanent changes now the ways that people make big changes in their lives tend to take two forms okay one form is is quite rare and the other one is the more common way that people will do it let's start with the rare form these are the epiphanies that we have. So it's like these aha moments where I'm gonna completely change my life because something happened. Usually motivated by a major uncontrollable life factor or tragedy. So it's like, I've been eating bad my whole life and then I had triple bypass surgery, almost died. And now I'm like, wow, I almost, you know, my kids almost lost their dad. I'm gonna to totally change my diet, okay? Or you're an alcoholic and then you get in a, you, you get in an accident and you, know, you almost kill somebody and then you're like, that's it, I'm done drinking alcohol. But that's extremely rare. And even those don't always work. Uh, I know quite a few people who made no permanent changes even with major catastrophic 
life events, okay? Here's the second way, and this is really the more common way, and this is the way that, uh, that I think you have to approach, <clears throat> excuse me, these permanent changes, is to understand that it's a slow, gradual process. Hold on one second. <coughs> Okay. So it's okay. a slow, gradual process. Um, <clears throat> it's small changes over time. And it's working on the skill of discipline gradually over time. So here's why discipline is so important. <clears throat> Most people rely on motivation looking to make big changes. The problem with that is motivation comes and goes. What sticks around long term is discipline. And now the good news with that is that discipline can, change, can, can be built upon. But the only way to build upon discipline is to do it slowly. So the number one most important thing I'll work with clients on is let's start with a small change <clears throat> that is both challenging yet realistic. It needs to be challenging because that will provide meaning behind the change. If it's not challenging, it doesn't mean anything. But it also needs to be realistic because if you fail and you fail often, uh, you're not gonna, you're gonna eventually give up. <clears throat> so let's pick a change that is small, challenging, but realistic for you. Now this requires a very honest conversation with yourself. Uh, I've had clients where the first change that they make is having an extra glass of water a day. That's the first change that they could make realistically. I know a lot of people when they're motivated, they think, oh, okay, it's realistic now for me to <clears throat> cut out sugar. I'll start with that, you know, and they've never done that before on a, on, a, on a consistent basis. So start slow. Once you make that change and you've overcome it, it's something that's become a part of your life and it feels like it's a part of your life. You got to wait until it feels automatic, until it feels like this is something now that's a part of who I am and what I do. Then you can add the next one. Gradually, this process leads to big changes. And the success rate with that, or at least I should say the permanent success rate with that is much higher than uh, making a lot of changes all at once. So I'd say that's probably the first most important um, thing to understand with uh, health and fitness. And, and by the way, I know a lot of people get turned off sometimes because they think, oh gosh, that's gonna take forever. I wanna lose 30 pounds now. I don't wanna wait. A long time. It doesn't take as long as you think. Um, yes, you can lose it much faster <clears throat> if you do everything at once, but you'll gain it back. You'll gain it back and you'll be in a worse position than you are now. Why not do it once and done, right? Once and done and that's it. Not only that, but you'll learn to appreciate and enjoy the journey. And I'll tell you what, if you can start to develop, once you start to develop the discipline around this, through practicing what I'm, what I'm talking about, you can start to appreciate the journey. And once you appreciate the journey of health and fitness more than the destination, or what, what oftentimes happens uh, after a period of this is you don't care about the destination anymore. Now it's all about the journey. You never stop. You never want to stop. You know, the, the, the man who loves walking will always walk further than the man who loves getting to his destination. Because you're just going to walk, right? Once you get to the point where you develop these, these, these skills and these habits slowly and you start to enjoy them for what they provide to you, 
you know, um, I think a lot of us, we, we forget that challenge has its own value. Um, I give this example on the podcast all the time. If I, if you took a man and had him climb Mount Everest uh, versus um, having a helicopter drop a man off on the top of the, of the mountain, they're both going to get the same view, but a completely different experience. The man who climbed Mount Everest is going to have a completely different experience. They're going to be a totally different person. And the things that they learn are going to be far and above what the man who just landed on the top of the mountain is ever going to learn. Everything you get through this journey is from the journey and not the destination. And I know people, it's hard to understand for someone who just wants to lose weight or look better. But believe me, once you get there, you're going to be asking yourself, what now? Hmm. This didn't give me everything that I thought. Uh, I thought this would change my life and it actually hasn't. What actually changes your life is the journey. So, and, and the only way you can appreciate that is by doing it the way that I'm talking about, which is slow, kind of systematic approach of, and it's also respecting yourself, you know? I think we need to be honest with ourselves and respect ourselves. And respecting yourself is saying, you know, I don't work out at all now. What's realistic, honestly realistic for me? One day a week, let's start with that. One day a week of exercise, that's going to be challenging because it's more than zero, which is what I do now. But I think I can stick with that. So let's just start with that and see what happens. And it's funny, when I, when I took this approach with clients, I didn't have to tell them to do anything else. I, I, you know, I'm thinking of one client in particular who she came to me and, and uh, her doctor sent her to me. I, at the time, I trained a lot of doctors and they would send me their patients. And she was very reluctant. You know, she showed up and... She's like, uh, she, goes, she goes, Sal, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't want to do this. Doctor's telling me I have to. My health is poor. So, okay, let's, let's do this, but I don't like it. And I said, that's not a problem. How many days a week are you working out now? She goes, I don't. I don't like exercise. Okay, we're going to start one day a week. Is that enough? Is that enough to help me? Well, it's definitely more than zero, and it's going to provide some value. Let's start with once a week. Let's see what we can do with once a week to improving your health. And that's what we did. And I trained her once a week. After a period of time, she came to me and said, do you have any more time on your schedule? I'd like to come in one more day a week. All right, let's take a look. Then she came twice a week. And she would tell me, don't touch my diet. Don't want to talk about diet. I'm going to eat the way I want. You know, whatever. Never touch diet. No problem. We kept training twice a week. Um, eventually, after about six months, you know, Sal, I was thinking about uh, reducing my sugar. What do you think? I said, okay, let's, let's start with uh, cutting out sugar for one of your meals. I think that might be a good place. Is that realistic? Anyway, over the course of doing this, this woman became a fitness fanatic. I mean, she literally hated exercise, did not want to touch nutrition. And over the course of three years, she became a fitness fanatic and she's still consistent to this day. Now, had I taken the other approach, which is, you know, I hate exercise. And I said to her, don't worry about it. I'm going to make it motivating and exciting. You're going to come three days a week. The rest of your life is going to benefit from all this awesome energy you're going to get from fitness. We're going to hammer your body, but you're going to love it. It's so motivating. I would have blown her out of the water. Maybe I would have had a few months with her and she would have been gone forever. And she would have never developed the relationship she did that she has now with exercise and nutrition. Yeah, yeah. That's, it's so true. And I, I think that so many people take that extreme route um, and they either try to hold on to it for as long as they can because it got them the results initially um, or they burn out super fast. 
Um, and I feel like that's kind of the two experiences that we see from people. And a lot of times we have the people coming to us that are females that have been running their body into the ground, have been under eating and feel stuck, feel like what they were doing at one point isn't working anymore. And, um, I, I will raise my hand as being one of these people. Um, that was my journey. I, (laughs) I was a CrossFit competitor. Um, for a very long time. I competed at regionals and lots of high level competitions and it was a sport for me. But then after it was a sport, I still tried to hold on to the intensity because, you know, I looked super lean when I was doing it. Um, but then added the stress of running a company on top of it. And, you know, I had a child and then what I used to do wasn't working anymore. And, you know, it took me a long time to accept, like you said, I tell all my clients this, but it took me a long time to accept that the stress on my body was just too much for my training. Um, yes. And you, so I recently you know, actually... Sorry, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, Becca, you know, it's, you know, as trainers, I tell you what, um, well, there's, there's, there's something that I think is, is real important is that when we communicate this to clients... We, we have to be really good at selling these ideas because what you're competing with is you're competing with the other messages from the fitness industry, which say, follow this intense program, take this supplement, follow this diet, and you're going to look the way you want to look and feel the way you want to feel. And it's going to take you 60 days or whatever. And then I'm over here being like, it's going to take a long time. We're going to go real slow. And, you know, like, how am I going to win that? How am I going to beat that? Right. So what we need to do is we actually need to out, we need to outsell those ideas. And so when I communicate this to clients, it's very much like this. It's very much like, no, actually, we're going to get you better results this way. We're going to get you there better. In fact, if we overdo it, your body's not going to be able to adapt well enough. So we're going to start like this and watch what happens to your body. And by the way, I'm going to ask you, you know, you're, you're working with me now. I'm asking you to trust me, but you're never going to have to, I'm never going to have to ask you again. Once you see these results, I'm not gonna, and you, and you literally have to sell it to them because you're competing with these terrible ideas. If I was to talk to someone like you back then, who was, sounds like you were a type A, uh, you know, go-getter kind of person, which I can identify with. Um, I think that could be a valuable trait if used properly. I would have said something like this to you, which is, you know, uh, Becca, what, what version of you is gonna be the most effective version of you? Is the healthy, energetic, feeling good, balanced hormones version of you going to be the most effective? Or is the running yourself thin, burnt out, you got to, you know, drink five cups of coffee a day version of you going to be the most effective? So you want to be the most effective version of you so you can kick the most ass? Then we need to take care of you a little bit so that you can do that. And it's really just about you got to out-compete the other message by selling it the right way. So when I hear you talking that way, it just reminds me of that, you know, because I know me, it would have been, it would have been hard to sell me on what I'm saying back when I was in the middle of it. But if somebody came to me and said, actually, Sal, you're going to look better and build more muscle. If you follow this approach, then I might have perked up. And it's true, by the way, none of what I'm saying is lying. It's the truth. I'm just speaking in the language that, uh, that gets the message across, I think. Yeah. And I, you know, I actually just started the map strong program. Uh, a few oh, weeks. awesome. Um, the 15 to 20 rep weeks are really rude, by the way, but you know, <laughs> the can we just, can we just call out the searchers here? Cause they're my favorite and also my enemy. <laughs> but yeah, isn't, that, isn't, 
such a forgotten exercise, you know, but uh, what oh. a great posterior chain exercise, mm -hmm. right? It's so hard. I, my forearms can't handle it. I'm such a weak leg with that. Um, <laughs> but what do you recommend for people training wise that are so high stress? Like, you know, it, it's because I know you've talked about it before on the podcast with in particular, one female client, I know you've mentioned a few times that you actually started cutting down a lot of stuff, introducing like yoga and more low impact yeah. stuff. Um, what are your recommendations for people that have such high stress outside of training? <laughs> yeah, well, first of all, you're not going to, uh, you're not going to, you're not going to win the battle against your body. So if, if your body is rebelling and pushing against you, pushing harder is not going to, you're not going to win that battle um at some at some point if you continue to ignore the signals that your body tells you they'll just get louder and louder and um, luckily for me i was able to reverse some of my the, the the damage i had caused but some people put themselves in a in pretty bad situation so i, I don't want to scare everybody but uh, that's what will happen if you, don't, if you don't listen to your body but really what you need to do is understand this um exercise really provides really all it does and the reason why your body changes when you exercise is it's a stimulus it's a signal that you send your body and then your body adapts to that signal okay if you're overstressed under sleep hormones are out of whack nutrition might not be ideal for your particular context your body will not adapt in ideal ways okay it's not going to want to build any any muscle or strength Muscle, it takes a lot of energy. A stressed out body doesn't want to be a calorie burning body. Remember our bodies evolved, uh, you know, during, for most of human history, uh, food scarcity. So when we're under stress, we tend to lose muscle and strength because our body's trying to conserve calories. Um, hormones start to balance themselves out in the direction of stress. So the feel good hormones, a nice estrogen, progesterone balance and growth hormone and cortisol and insulin balance that promotes positive tissue like muscle well that goes out the window because a high stress environment is uh, burn energy uh, and then conserve energy uh, you know, burn muscle preserve body fat uh, that's the, the, that's the the state of hormones under lots of stress you're not going to win that battle you can push as hard as you want but if your hormones are not uh, helping they're not going to help you they're going to go against you and then you're going to be you're going to push them in a worse direction. Um, so what is the approach? Well, the approach is to use exercise like a tool to get your body to adapt in the way that you want. So let's say you want to lose weight and you want to sculpt your body, but your stress levels are really, really high. Well, one of the worst ways to use exercise is to make it a very stressful thing by training at high intensity, circuit training, uh, you know, uh, you know, lots of reps, lots of sets, high volume, train your butt off every single day. That's adding stress, much stress. All that's telling your body to do is to continue to hunker down in this stressed state of being, which means uh, more muscle loss, more fat storage, uh, lower metabolism, and hormones even more out of whack. So if you're stressed out, if you have a lot of stress, a lot of anxiety, or sleep, you have all the symptoms of this, which we can get into those symptoms, by the way, afterwards. If that's you, then let's use exercise as a tool to send a signal that says, hey, everything's okay. We can get out of the stress, stress state of being and get into more of an anabolic state of being, this pro-tissue state of being. So I'm gonna do 
moderate intensity, straight sets, uh, a full range of motion, uh, mobility, maybe yoga uh, exercises, less volume, less frequency, longer rest periods, a uh, focus on sleep. Quality sleep makes a tremendous difference on all of this. Um, maybe work on mindset a little bit, but that's a little bit more complicated, but you can also do that. I, I recommend that. Signs and symptoms of too much, uh, of, that there's maybe too much. By the way, stress and excitement can feel kind of similar. Actually, they are. Uh, physiologically speaking, they're very similar. So these, these people who tend to be, you know, type A, go, 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 you might even tell them too much stress and they may be like, nah, man, I'm hyped. <laughs> And I'm going. Great. Cortisol feels good, by the way. You know, people have lots of cortisol all the time. It doesn't necessarily feel bad. It actually feels kind of exciting. You know, like um, uh, let's say you're you're overstressed, you're tired, you just got home from work, but you're you're not getting the you're not getting the idea, right? So you go and you sign up for a spin class and beat the crap out of yourself. Well, that high intense workout is going to spike cortisol a little more. And for a short period of time, you're going to be like, oh, I needed that. Oh, I feel so much. All that stress is gone. I just beat the crap out of myself. I needed that. You know what you're really saying is that I needed that cortisol boost because my body may be a little bit, um, maybe losing its sensitivity to cortisol in the same way that your body loses sensitivity to insulin. In fact, if you're in this uh, state of being, you may find yourself being late to appointments more often. This is a subconscious way of spiking cortisol, uh, make you feel better. Uh, of course, lots of stimulants. You might start to notice your hair thinning, uh, nails become a little brittle, skin starts to reflect uh, stress. So you may notice more acne, um, either more oily or dry. Digestive issues start to pop up, um, those kinds of things. So, um, and you may be resistant to slowing down. In fact, People stuck in this kind of state of being don't want to stop because whatever is causing lots of stress tends to be at the forefront of their mind when they're not distracted, right? So telling someone who's really, really stressed out and go, go, go to sit still and be with their thoughts can be, can feel like a nightmare. Like, I don't want to think. Mm -hmm. I want to just move and do so that I don't have to think. So, you know, and I'm, I'm saying this because hopefully this is resonating with some of your listeners and they might say, oh crap, that might be, that might be me. But if you use exercise as a tool to move your body in the right direction, well, then you're going to go to the gym and you're going to do lower intensity stuff, full range of motion stuff, maybe yoga, you're focusing on sleep. And here's what will happen. At first, you may notice that you're more tired and more sleepy. That's okay. I think you're, what's happening is your body uh, is reducing its stress hormones. Its catecholamine production might go down a little bit because it feels safe to be sleepy and tired. Okay. This might actually last for a month, might last, actually last for a couple months. When I've worked with clients like this and they do this, they're like, oh my gosh, man, I, I feel like I'm taking naps and I'm sleeping a lot. Like, is this normal? I said, yeah, your body feels comfortable now uh, recuperating and recovering. So let's let that happen for a little while. Um, in terms of nutrition, um, I would avoid heavily processed foods. I avoid that for the most part, but mainly because um, uh, they tend to promote overeating. And if you're in this state of trying to manage stress, you may want to turn to food for comfort. So let's just stay away from the foods that tend to make you want to overeat anyway. I would, I would slowly bump your calories. Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying is increasing your calories. 
We want to send a signal to the body that says it's okay. We don't need to slow down our metabolism. One of the ways to do that is to show that food is abundant. Now you're not doubling your caloric intake, but you're bumping it a little bit, 100 calories or so uh, a day is probably where I'd start. Um, you want to eat your healthy fats, um, protein, keep your protein high and your fat intake high. Um, and start there and give your body time to adjust and start to feel better. Once you start to notice uh, that your sleep is restful and good, that your mood is calm but energized, which is different than wired and energized. Once you start to realize that you need less stimulants, maybe less coffee, um, your libido should start to feel healthier, uh, where it's a, uh, you know, it's, you feel a healthier libido, maybe not shut down, or in some cases, a little more rare, where it's super high because it's more of a distraction than anything. So it's more of a healthy, uh, balanced kind of libido. Um, your period should start to be normal um, and regular if you're, uh, if you're not on birth control. If you're a man, you feel signs of testosterone levels rising again, uh, more confidence, you start to feel more confident. Once that starts to happen, then you can start to ramp up your workouts a little bit, increase the intensity. And what will end up happening, you really set yourself up for some tremendous success later on. Now, I am going to be honest, in extreme cases, this can take a while. I've seen this, I've seen this take as long as six months. In one really bad case, it took almost a year for someone's body to start to really heal. This was a woman, a woman that I worked with that just, she was an overachiever and just beat the crap out of her body and had uh, three back-to-back -back children, uh, you know, just one after another on top of it. So it took us about a year to balance things out. But after that year was up, man, she was a completely different person. She was able to build strength, build muscle. Her metabolism went through the roof. Burning body fat was really easy, but it took, it took a little while. Most people you're looking at, you know, 60 to 90 days of this approach before they start to really see a big difference. So you do need to be patient with it. But once you do it, it's no longer an uphill battle. Um, and you'll set yourself up for, for long-term success. That's very helpful. Um, and the last thing we kind of wanted to talk about, and then we can wrap up. I know we don't want to take too much of your time. You guys are very, very busy with your, and I, I will say with the podcasts, I started listening to them, only the back part of it. Like I would fast forward through all the talking. And yeah. now I don't even listen to the second half. I just listen to the first half. <laughs> You like you guys like keep me on updated on current events. So <laughs> you know, you know, we do that because uh, you know what's funny about that. That so that happened on accident. Um, we we just and, and Doug would just record us, and so then we include it in the podcast. But it became a uh, a very effective way of getting people to who aren't fitness fanatics to listen to the show. So it's like we're kind of like we're like you know you know baiting them in. Mm -hmm. Oh, don't worry, we don't talk too hardcore about fitness, and then. So I've had people message me. So fitness enthusiasts like you guys will typically say that. I started out by listening to just the fitness stuff. But I, on the other end of the spectrum, we get people who are like, oh, I, I like the first half because it was entertaining. But now I love listening about fitness and I've changed all these things about my workouts and stuff. So it became kind of the secret weapon. Yeah, it's, they're, they're great. They're very entertaining. Uh, very entertaining. And I just have to ask, Sal, how many like hours a day do you spend finding the amazing memes that you have on your Instagram oh. stories? Because, I mean, that is kind of like my wind down. Not that you should be, you know, looking at your screen at least an hour before you go to bed. But sometimes I find myself swiping <laughs> through those memes. Those are fantastic. 
Yeah, those uh, they people send them to me. So I started by posting a little bit myself, and then now people send them to me, and I just pick the best one. So I don't even have to search for them anymore. But I, you know what I love about memes? They are I love, I love uh, for different forms of communication. To me, it's just fa- there's a few things that fast. I'm a super nerd with certain things. Uh, I love obviously fitness, um, economics, uh, something I really enjoy. Um, and I like, uh, I like communication. I think it's fascinating. Memes communicate so powerfully, like an idea and it's through humor and it's in a way that you can, you normally couldn't, wouldn't be able to communicate something. So to me, they're just fascinating. It's like the political cartoons of today. So that's how I kind of fall in love. I also have a really dark sense of humor. <laughs> Believe me, I, I, I post about 10% of the, the memes that I, that I see and get <laughs> the other ones would get me. They get me banned off of Instagram right away immediately. Uh, so the last thing that we wanted to kind of talk to you about was, I'm sure as a personal trainer, you get this a lot. Because um, we get it a lot, uh, you know, being in the nutrition space, people coming and expecting their body to just transform completely. Um, you know, and, and I think a lot of times people having the idea that like they're going to look like maybe someone else that they see or they're going to look you know a certain way how did you manage expectations of clients coming to you you know off the bat because you obviously want to be clear you know yes and and i'm glad you said that uh big mistake that new trainers make is they over promise and under deliver because they know they think that that's what the client or or at least the client does want to hear that don't do that as a trainer. You're setting yourself up and your client up for failure. Be totally honest to your client about what they can expect. And I oftentimes under promise because it's a much better conversation with the like, wow, you only said I'd lose one pound this week, but I lost, you know, this month, but I lost two pounds this month. It's like, well, that's, that's awesome. You know, instead of the whole, yeah, we could do like four pounds a month or five pounds a month is what, and you know, just don't over promise. It's terrible. Um, well, there's two things there. One is our expectations are totally skewed because uh, our ideas of what's realistic um, are influenced heavily by media, um, social media in particular. So if you go on social media a lot, you're, without realizing it, you start to believe perception that most people look a particular way. Okay, so especially if you follow fitness and health people without realizing it and and we do this this is natural it's a natural human behavior we compare ourselves to what we believe to be the average okay so you start to think six-pack abs are super common they're actually not by the way uh six-pack abs are more rare than millionaires um that's an actually true (laughs) statistic you start to believe that you know men look a particular way or women particular look a particular and it's all unconscious Okay, so then you look in the mirror and you look nothing like that. And because you now perceive yourself to be so far outside of the norm, you have this skewed image of yourself. It's really no different than, you know, imagine if you were super, if you were like a huge NBA fan, fan, right? You're like a huge fan of professional basketball. So all you do is watch basketball and all you follow on social media is professional basketball. You may think that seven foot tall people are like all over the place, okay? I've been on earth for over 40 years and I think one time in my life have I ever been around in real life a seven foot tall person, okay? 
I managed gyms for two decades. There's already a bias, by the way. People who go to gyms are interested in fitness and health, okay? The percentage of people in the gyms that I manage that look like the people on social media with the amazing bodies and the six-pack abs and the great you know, butts and all that stuff is like 1%, not even. It's like less than 1%. So number one, if you want to compare yourself, that's fine, but do it in the real world. Turn off your social media, walk around the grocery store, you know, look around, look around everyday life. And then you'll start to realize that, okay, like most people kind of look a little different than, you know, what I, that's why sometimes I wish like everybody was naked for a second. So you could walk around and be like, oh yeah, everybody looks, <laughs> everybody looks, no, nobody looks like they do in the, in the, in the, you know, on social media, you know? Um, so that's, that's number one. Came across kind of funny. <laughs> so that's that's number one. Okay, is that uh, that nobody looks like that. That's super super rare. So stop being unfair to yourself. In fact, the only fair, real fair comparison you can make is against yourself. Compare you to you. That's really the only fa fair way to, way, uh, way to do it because you don't know everything about other people. And comparing yourself to other people is just not fair. It just it just isn't fair. All right. As far as expectations uh, are concerned uh, with clients. Um, I would be very, very honest with them, but I would also do this. I would also point out all of the health benefits that exercising and changing nutrition provide. When people, when you ask people, what are the benefits of exercising nutrition? At the top of the list is I look better. And then, oh, maybe I have better health. They don't even know what that means. Like they don't, okay. Better health. I don't know. Better cholesterol, better heart health. Like they don't know what anything else, mm -hmm. any other benefits look like or feel like. All they know is I look better. So as a trainer, I like to point them all out. Hey, how's your sleep? You know, I'm, you know it's weird that you asked. I'm sleeping better than ever. Great. How's your energy? You know what? Uh, I don't need that second cup of coffee. I feel like I'm more energetic. Oh, that's awesome. How's your strength? Do you feel more stable and strong? Do you feel more mobile? How's your pain? Pain is a great one. If you can solve someone's pain as a trainer, you make a tremendous impact. In fact, that's the number one thing I think trainers should focus on when they train a client because you can make that. Usually you can impact someone very quickly uh, by alleviating some pain with good mobility. But point it out. How's your pain levels? Um, how's your digestion? Is your digestion any Oh, I don't have heartburn. Like, so now they're starting to, because here's the truth. If you start, if you apply appropriate exercise and appropriate nutrition changes, however slow, the body does change immediately. It does. It just does it in invisible ways to us because we only see the mirror. The reality is, it happened right away. I love to do this. I love to point out that someone could do an extra push-up, and I'll write it down. Here's a new. Here's a trick for for trainers. Uh, when you get a new client and you have them do an exercise, write down the, the reps that they did, the scale of intensity, and then have them sign it. Uh, you know, okay, you did you know, six push-ups. How did that feel? Wow, that was real hard. And you write it down. At the end of the workout, say, is this all accurate and how you perceive today's workout? Cool. Can you go ahead and sign here? Awesome. You're going you're gonna to need that because two weeks later, when they do eight push-ups and it's easy, you're going to tell your client, oh my God, you did eight push-ups and it was way easier. And they'll be like, Really? I don't know if it was that different. Pull out the form two weeks ago. Oh my gosh, I can't, I did three more. Do you know what that means? That means your body 
is fundamentally different than it was two weeks ago. You are not the same person. So what you're doing is you're illuminating all the other benefits, all the, the wonderful benefits of exercise nutrition. And now, not that big of a deal that my body didn't change radically, you know, in a month in the mirror because, holy cow, I've got way more energy. I'm stronger. My libido's better. My digestion's better. I feel better. This is great. This is working. It's working. Keep doing it. So it it's really has to do with how we communicate to our clients. And it's our jobs as trainers to guide them, to coach them, to show these things to them because they really don't know any, any different. All they know is, you know, the scale and the mirror and that's it. Yeah. I love that. I think, you know, for what Becca and I do, we basically, we have a program called Metabolic Prehab and it's everything that we talked about here. We actually keep the scale out of it and it's all mindset, you know, non-stressful movement and recovering and helping them repair their body through extra nutrition. And so oftentimes we hear, and you know, my husband and I have a strength and conditioning gym too, but we'll hear people saying, but my orange theory, I can't stop my orange theory, you know? And it's like, well, that's so much stress on your body. And they're like, yeah, but the scale's not moving. Right. Cause they get so caught up and their trainer yeah. is telling them, you just got to keep running, right. Show up 10 extra days. Let's do added yeah. uh, fasted cardio or whatever. And they rely so much on like adding more, more exercise, more stress and, you know, looking at the scale rather than all of the other factors that you mentioned. So I love that you mentioned all of those things and even some of the other health markers that you talked about because it, it resonates with a lot of the things that we share on, on the food code. So I want to be respectful of your time because I know we've gone over here a little bit, but thank you so much um, for coming on and recording with us today. Absolute honor. And uh, we wish you all the best as you have your new one, little new one for your girl coming soon. Um, thank you. But yeah, so just thank you so much. And uh, we will, we'll tag you when we put this up. Excellent. Thank you very much. I appreciate you guys having me on. Thank you for spending your time with us. We are honored to be able to help educate you and improve your life. If you've enjoyed this, please take a screenshot, share it on Instagram and tag us at lsn.coach and leave us a five-star reading and review on iTunes as this helps us grow and reach others. So if you have any questions, feel free to shoot us a DM or an email and we will talk to you soon. Have a great day.